uh, I believe it's episode 17. I didn't count because I'm very over today. Uh, for multiple reasons. And I just kind of wanted to get this recording done and over with. Oh, Yuna, do you want to talk into the microphone? If she at least uh, yawned, it'd be all good. Don't sniff it or lick it. You gotta talk. Stop! She's like booping it. It's so funny. <laughs> it's all good. No, like how she's sitting. I remember you were sitting. It's like, yeah, I gotta do. Let me make sure I stop. Like, be close to the nine, so I gotta stop. I gotta stop somewhere first and get some efficient research. So I was like, I was like, all right, that gives me time to do some things. And I was like, all right. I was like, this is right for 45 minutes. I'm going to spoil myself, play the game, and then I'm going to finish what I was doing. You know, like you sit there and I was like, I'm not going to lie. Like, so, so instead of being productive, I was like, yeah, I do what I need to do. And then like I laid over and fell asleep on the couch. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie to y'all. I'm, I'm, I'm tired. Like you know, Ow. last night she is she biting your feet? No, she's biting my hands. Okay, yeah, no, I I can tell. Yeah, but like I said, like last night was like the the boys just track me, and compared to like a normal track me, you know, there's a little bit more leeway time because you know normally you have boys and girls. Nah, with the boys, it's just everything's rolling, kind of going at once until the running gets started. Then you know it's like poof. But then we also had jobs we had to do. Like, you know, like, like, um, one of us had to do shot put. And the other one, we you know you, we made sure everybody was going to need a beast, but that, but that person had to be there the entire time. So like, you know, that's one coach that literally can't make sure the kids are everywhere. But I was like, it was fine. We got it done. But then, um, you know, since everything's going at once, it's kind of hard to, you know, coach a kid and make sure they're doing what they got to do and focus in when, you know, you'll turn around, one kid's going here, another kid's going here, then you look across the ways, one kid's going at high jump, one kid's ready to go at pole vault, and you're just like, holy chicken nuggets. Everybody's going at once, and you're just, like, going back and forth. But eventually, we kind of, like, there was three of us, so one stayed near high jump and pole vault, one stayed where triple jump and long jump was. So we made that work. Then, um, then when it was time for the relays, I'd be like, because they said we could uh oh, she's she's tearing up the hand, isn't she? <laughs> she just had like my one, like my pinky finger, <laughs> and like her teeth was like scraping my skin. It wasn't even like she was biting. It was just like, anyway, yeah, sorry. Me, I, no, it's all good. Trust me, I I know. I, I remember I've been there where she like just goes after your hand or goes yeah. after any hand. Oh, speaking of Yorkies, guess what I did today? What did you do? I might have spent seven dollars on google photos ordering prints of like all of the animals and children on my phone i say all children uh my two godchildren. um i printed out pictures of them well i ordered prints of them but then i like printed a bunch of pictures of yuna but then i found pictures of jackson that you sent me that i saved so i printed those <laughs> out and then i have like eight pictures of killer that i printed out <laughs> And I fully intend on, like, putting them up at my desk. Hey, we can call it the children's corner. 
Yeah, well, because, like, I had a bunch of pictures up of, like, me and the girls and, like, me and a certain other person, and I had to take, I took them down. Because, like, some of the pictures of me and the girls had that other person in it. So, like, I took them down and ripped them all up, so now I only have, like, <laughs> a picture of, I have two, I have a picture of the cats, and then I have a picture of that person's parent's dog, who's a cutie and is gonna die soon because she's really old, so, like, I'm keeping that picture. And then I have, like, pictures of me from, like, college. And then, like, three pictures of me and my sisters that are, like, super old, so, like, I went and printed out, like cute pictures of Cheyenne's kids to, like, put up at my desk, um, and then, like, a bunch of pictures of dogs. All three dogs are Yorkies. Hey. So we're just gonna have, like, a Yorkie corner at my desk. Hey, I can respect that. Actually, that's not even that bad. Like you said, I spent seven, I was like, oh my goodness. And then all of a sudden, it's like, you explain what it is, like, yeah, no, that's, that's definitely worth it. Well, I only ordered one copy of each photo, so, like, it's not like I had multiple copies. When I do multiple copies is when I spend $30 on prints. Cricket, 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 cricket. Um, Why? No, it's just in there. It's like, it's like, it says I spent $30, and it's just like, ah, oh, there it is. <laughs> I haven't spent $30 on prints in a long time, so. Surprised you didn't get the one where, like, we're all, like, on the freaking bench in freaking Marshall. I printed out the one of uh, Yuna on top of you and you on my floor. Where you're laying on the floor in the living room and Yuna's just, like, laying on top of you because she's got a diaper and pants on. Like, that, that girl was in her happy place, but she was just there. She was just so done. She was so mad at me because I had her in that diaper. Yeah, but she ended up going to sleep like that. So I like, I, it was like the best film. I looked up and I like those little eyes were trying to like stay open, but she was definitely going to sleep. I was like, well, if you go to sleep, I literally can't move. So then like I sat up and then she went to sleep anyway. I was like, yeah, you didn't make it any easier. It's just now I'm not on my back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. But hey, they gave me a job. I, mean, I told you about this on the phone last night. And uh, they gave me a job to do last night also. And it was just like, I was like, this is kind of, this is kind of nerve wracking. It's like, because if I miss something, you know, it'd be kind of my fault. Granny, you know, they missed something before they got to me. And I was like, oh, oh, we just, we, we, we just let stuff go now. And then, you know, they got it corrected later. And then we got back and the girls had just finished up. I was like, how the freak did we get finished first? It's like, I was like, well, dang it. We just kind of, you know, it was rapid fire type stuff. But like, when we got back, I said, like, man, I'm Kind of tired. Then, you know, work today. The internet went out for, like, the first, like, three hours. Mm -hmm. So, it's like, I'm sitting there like, oh, well, I'm glad I already had something planned for my kids to do. And that didn't really involve the internet anyway. And then it came back and said, like, nah, we're still going to do what we wanted to do, what I needed to do. And then I was like, today's one of those days, you know, like. Anytime I throw a chat at me like that day, that next day, I'm I'm probably going to drag because it's like exhausting. Yeah, you were out pretty late too. Yep. And then tomorrow won't be any better because there'll be like boys, girls, it'll be a high school meet and then we leave at like two. Mm-hmm. Or, and then it'll be a longer meet compared to the one we were just at and then you know, we'll get back. 
they make sure everything gets situated. So we always pass up the medals the day of. Like, you know, the kids will be gone or getting ready to leave, and we'll pass up the medals. And then Friday will be like a kind of like, kind of a practice day, but kind of like something light to kind of just fix some stuff up. And then, you know, like my weekend is going to be action-packed. And I know for a fact, like this is the reason why I took like half of work off on Monday. Cause I was like, I'm going to need the extra couple hours of sleep to catch up. And I also don't want to be at work any longer than I have to be after the, after this weekend. Mm-hmm. So are you going to stay here Sunday night or are you still don't know? I really don't know. I might, I might, I might. I probably will. Because either it's either going to just drive back late Sunday and still have the extra hours. Or, you know, just be able to go to sleep faster. And consider the fact I could, I could honestly wake up at my normal time still. Or wake up, you know, an hour later. And still get to work in the time frame of, you know, my two hours off. I mean, my mm-hmm. like half a day off. It's just a matter of, you know, how I'm feeling. I know for a fact, like, I'll probably, by the time the whole thing's said and done, I'll probably be pulling up at, like, 12. I don't know, actually, that with that traffic, it'll be, like, 1230. <laughs> yeah, there shouldn't be a whole lot of traffic Monday mid-morning. I don't know. Well, I meant, like, th- th- midnight. <laughs> oh, midnight traffic, yeah. Well, on a Sunday night, it shouldn't be too terrible. Yeah, like, the hardest part is just going to be leaving the stadium. That's it. Oh, yeah. I, I've been, like, dreading that. Because that part time. of Arlington is absolute trash. Yeah, I'll figure it out. So I'll be like, I'll just... I'll make to be work. perfectly honest, every time I go to an event there, I Uber. Like, I park somewhere else. Like, it, because I know several people who live in the area, so I'll park at their house and then Uber. Well... You have those connections that I don't have. <laughs> if I didn't live so far away, I'd offer to drop you off. Well, I mean, I won't be here, but I would have offered to drop you off and pick you up. <laughs> yeah, that would have been. It's all good. It's all good. Also, um, so we actually got two things to talk about before we get to the main thing. Was all right. First, we thing, have a lot to cover, we... so be speedy. Okay, I know, I know, I know. But I was going to say, um, guys, Jordan was going to blame her tournament bracket being bad on me. It was a co-worker's idea because he was like, Jordan, how come you always make bad decisions? And I said, last year, I tried to go with an underdog bracket and didn't know I could submit more than one. This year, I was too lazy to submit more than one, and I listened to somebody else, and it's his fault. And then that person was like, you need to call him out on that. And I was like, I have a podcast. I will. But then I told you the other night in Target instead. Yeah, but it was just funny because Sydney was like, because she was like, uh, Tennessee or Arizona? I was like, I want to pick to Arizona. I was like, it's your bracket. He was like, no, no, I'm going to listen to you. And I was like, I told her, Arizona is that team. They'll be good. Good. Um, And then they'll like, like get to like the Sweet 16 and that's it. Like that's their limit. And all of a sudden this year, like Tennessee lost like in the round of thirty-two, and I was just like, and I was, and I was like, ooh, ooh. So I said, and she was like, oh my goodness. And then Arizona lost in the Sweet Sixteen. I was like, yeah, no, this is that's about where I expected them to lose anyway. I was like, I I wasn't wrong about Arizona losing. I was just wrong about that matchup. And then like, I was I wrong, really, I was, but barely. 
Yeah, but no, I thought it was hilarious because like, and, and, and part of the George bracket, she's like, oh, I got Arkansas. She had Arkansas losing in the round of thirty-two, and I was like, you got us losing to UConn. She's like, I can't change it. No, no, you go down on that decision. I want you to sink on that decision alone. And then like, she had Gonzaga win the whole thing, and me, I was like, no, nah, nah, we beating Gonzaga. And then. And then Gonzaga got themselves knocked out. And I was like, what the heck? Yeah. And they got out to the team she thought was going to lose the UConn. And I was like, you just don't bet against the Hawks. And then we proceeded to lose against Duke. And I kind of like, I didn't move Everybody as much as I Everybody in my Final Four got knocked out. And I was so mad. It's okay. Actually, I had Villanova, I had, um, Villanova getting there. UNC was kind of like mine. I like maybe kind of get there. I had them there too. It was just like everybody else was out. Like I mean, like I had Baylor making it, but they lost, and I was like, you know what? I'm not even gonna complain. You know, you know they lost. I mean, they lost to UNC, but I was like, I had UNC making it at one point, and I was like, ah, maybe Baylor, but like, nah, stick with UNC. And then the other thing, Jordan finally admitted that she hates how like nonchalant I am. I sure did. But it was so funny. It's just so funny because like, oh. I don't even know how the conversation got going, but it was just something I said about, like, I'll tell you, then there's me just, like, like just kind of chill about it all the time. You were talking like, about know. how you finally got mad at the track meet, and usually you're the chill one, and I'm like, I know, and it makes me so mad, so if I had seen it, I'd have been like, it's about daggum time. Yeah, it's like, look, I, I explained to Jordan, it's like, she's like, I need you to be passionate, and I was like, I was like first of all, first of all. That's not how we need to go about this. I was like, I said, I am passionate about things. You're just never around when I'm passionate about said things. I was like, I said, let's be honest. Anybody see me with Arkansas football? No. But it's just like, I toned it down quite a bit, but it's still there. Or Arkansas sports in general. And I made a joke. I was like, are you think persona related? Like, come on now. And then I, like, I started listening to stuff. And I was like, and hey, Jordan, you make the top 10. <laughs> and I was just like, gee, thanks. <laughs> it's okay like I'll rant about Jordan on occasion but Jordan just doesn't know and then she found out right now so it's okay um but yeah no she was she was not I, I'm glad she finally admitted that she just hates how nonchalant I am so like I put I've my name said it before I know but it was like but that no last time you said it as like a general sense like can you say anything you said, not you just say in general just and like not just you, like not you specifically, just in general. That was the first time you said it specifically for me. Mm-hmm. And it's just like I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like I said. Well, one of us, you know, can go on a like rant and get like and be ready like to throw hands immediately. I said so. One of us has got to be calm because if both of us are like that, that's just a recipe for just like oh. Oh, I know they didn't do this, and then we'll just be yelling, hyping up the said situation. It'll just get much worse. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Well, look, one of us has to be the voice of reason." But I think the only reason why you're upset is that I, is that I'm the like chill one all of the like ninety five percent of the time. Listen, I don't like it to be so obvious that I'm the emotionally angry one. I, look, I'm, you got to just get me in my element, and then at that point, it won't be blatantly obvious. Or, you know, in a competitive element, it gets it gets pretty bad. Not as bad as it did, like, you know, like, six years ago. But, like, it, it, it's still pretty bad. Also, um, we're at number 17. 
but Jordan, instead of saying this is going to be a juicy episode, this is going to be a juicy number. And like, <laughs> she, so I was like, I like looked and I was like, what? And then like, then there was the message coming in to correct it. And Guys, I, like, I had so many panic attacks today at work. Like, it's just, and like, I've had like a cluster, like an on and off cluster migraine for days. So like, by the time that I like started finishing my research, my brain was absolutely shot. And it's still a shot, so it's going to be a fun episode. But it's going to be fun, though, because I've been researching this topic for, like, a month and a half. So. A month and a half? Yeah, off and on. I know a lot about it, but, like, I know, like, it's all the same stuff. So I was, like, searching for things that I didn't know. Like, things that I, things that had happened there that I didn't know about that, like, don't make it onto TV. And then, like, I was reading blogs, and then this place has hundreds of years of history. So, like, I had to cut a bunch of stuff out today because I realized there was just no way. So, if you're done ranting. What do you mean? I'm not ranting. <laughs> whatever. That's what we do at the beginning of each episode. Okay. So if we're ready, we're going to jump right in because, like I said, we have a lot to talk about. Don't we always? I mean, yes, but I mean, like, I had 13 pages of notes that I have condensed into one, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, oh God. I can respect it. And I only have one page of history. The rest of it is all ghosts. And, like, Ghost Hunters episodes. But I... Okay, so hold on. First off, let me... Just kind of list my sources here. Um, so I listened to the episode of St. Augustine Lighthouse. Oh, we're talking about the St. Augustine Lighthouse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I listened to an episode of Graveyard Tales, which is a podcast that I really like. Um, there's also Hillbilly Horror Stories has an episode on it as well. And so does a podcast called Fresh Hell. Um, I did not listen to those two, but they were on my list. But then I was watching youtube videos about it so yeah i just kind of forgot about those but those were on my list those are great podcasts you should listen to them um and then i summarized my the history on the saint augustine lighthouse based on the history that was mentioned in three episodes of ghost hunters and one episode of uh, buzzfeed unsolved i had literally three pages of history that i got from like St. Augustine historical websites and I realized that you guys don't need that much history because you're here for the ghosts. So as usual, most of the juicy stuff is from Ghost Hunters episodes, but I was actually really surprised that, you know, Ghost Adventures didn't have a St. Augustine Lighthouse episode that I could find because um, I have Discovery Plus because true crime and paranormal. And also my mom likes HGTV, so we share an account. 
But like you can just type in a subject and it'll pull up like all the episodes and all of the um, like shows and stuff that, that have to do with that subject. And there was just nothing. So we are going to go into the way, way back machine and go back to 1513. 1513? 1513. The United States goes back that far. Well, it wasn't the United States back then, but whatever. So Ponce de Leon came to the site in 1513 looking for the Fountain of Youth. And then since then, or going back as far as 1589, there have been watchtowers in the area since then. But Ponce de Leon came to the area that is now Florida looking for the Fountain of Youth. They kind of established a tiny little, like, makeshift port just because, like, they were continuously searching for stuff. So, like, they would land in the area and then they would they had been putting up watchtowers but the area of St. Augustine it predates Jamestown predates Plymouth Rock and predates Roanoke Island now St. Augustine the town was established by a Spanish explorer named Pedro Menendez de Avias um, in 16, no, 1565. And St. Augustine, or St. Augustine is the oldest continually inhabited settlement in the United States. So it may not have always been St. Augustine, but that area, like, has always been a port town since it was discovered. Uh, St. Augustine is located 40 miles southeast of Jacksonville, Florida. It's on a small little island called Anastasia Island. Uh, the Spanish basically settled it in 1565 when Pedro Menendez came to the area for whatever he was here for. I don't really know. Um... The Spanish held the settlement against the British pirate Sir Francis Drake in 1586, another British attack during Queen Anne's War in 1702, and a fiery British siege in 1740. The British really wanted this port, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and they fought hard for it. And eventually, the Spanish relinquished the port to the British in 1763. Ironically... The HMS Industry was one of the first ships to be sent, one of the first British ships to be sent to the area. It sank <laughs> right off the coast below the lighthouse. Um, also, 16 ships wrecked on New Year's Eve, fleeing the aftermath of America's victory in the Revolutionary War. So, like, it's not really a beach. It's, like, a very rocky coastline. Yeah. And there's been a lot of shipwrecks, which is why they've always had, like, watchtowers and stuff up. I mean, the Spanish mostly put watchtowers up so they could, like, see the British coming to take their, try to take their settlement. <laughs> um, yeah, but, I mean, 
they also worked as like lighthouses and stuff to so that ships could tell how close they were to the shore because it was such a it's such a dangerous coastline even now. Um, so the lighthouse that stands today is not the original lighthouse. Um, the original lighthouse actually literally fell into the sea, but we'll get to that in a minute. So, in 1859, one of the keepers of the original lighthouse named Joseph Andreu, and A-N-D-R-U, you know, I've heard this name said a thousand times, but I can't remember how to say it, so we're just going to call him Joseph. So, Joseph fell to his death while whitewashing the outside of the tower. Uh, the scaffolding that he was standing on, it literally just gave way out from underneath him. But the, I say funny. His obituary described his death in very graphic detail, and they read part of it on that episode of BuzzFeed Unsolved, so I thought I would read that to you as well. He first struck the roof of the oil room about 30 feet below, the stone wall which encloses the lighthouse and thence to the ground, a stone pavement. So basically, Shane and Ryan from BuzzFeed Unsolved were like, they very colorfully explained that he literally ping-ponged around this lighthouse before he hit the stone pavement at the bottom. It just, like, it just sounded so, and it's like, he just, and I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, and I mean, this wasn't even just like in a newspaper, this was his obituary. So like, they read this at his funeral services. They just described to the whole town at the time, like, how he died very horrifically. And he didn't even die instantly. Like, it explicitly says he died almost instantly. Oh, so he- and I'm like, so he was alive at, for, for most of that. Which sucks. Um, but something good did come out of his death. Uh, his wife, Maria... She took over as lightkeeper on January 7th of 1860. Uh, so, the January after her husband died. Uh, she was the first official female lighthouse keeper in the United States and the first Hispanic American woman to control a federal shore installation. And even though the lighthouse wasn't incorporated into the U.S. Coast Guard until the 20th century, they honor Maria as the first female employee and the first Hispan- one of the first Hispanic employees of the Coast Guard. Because the Coast Guard run and upkeep all the lighthouses now. So they still honor her. Even though it, the lighthouse wasn't a part of the Coast Guard at that time. Um, so the original lighthouse existed in some form of another since 1586 before it finally fell into the ocean due to eroding coastlines in 1880. And I mean, it was like, it had been like burnt down several times and rebuilt. So like sometimes it was made of wood. Other times it was made of like a type of coral rock that you can only get in that area of Florida. Um, But either way, It literally fell into the ocean. And in my notes, I wrote, I sure hope nobody was inside. Jeez. Um, Because you would think they'd be able to, like, tell that it was about to fall into the ocean. But then again, people are dumb. So. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah. 
there's that. Okay. Um, the original lighthouse is known as, quote, the earliest permanent aid to navigation in the continental United States. So it wasn't the first, quote unquote, lighthouse, but it's the only lighthouse or aid to navigation that has been in the same spot. Hmm. Like, it's always been in that spot. Um, a new lighthouse was constructed between 1871 and 1874. The construction superintendent, uh, nowadays we just call them the foreman of the job site, uh, his name was Hezekiah H. Pitty, and it's P-I-T-T-E-E. But it, it's pronounced like P-I-T-Y. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. What? <laughs> and and that's ironic. Yeah, it's ironic in a way, in a very sad way. Uh, so on July tenth in eighteen seventy three, so the lighthouse hadn't even been opened. Like the new lighthouse hadn't even been uh commissioned yet. Well, it had been commissioned. It just hadn't turned its light on and began operating as a lighthouse yet. It was still under construction. Pity's three children, along with another unknown little girl uh, who's said to just be one of the other workers' daughters, they were riding the supply cart. Uh, so I guess they had like a supply cart that was like on a track or some sort of pulley system that went from the coast to the lighthouse. And that's how they like brought up construction supplies and stuff. Um, and they would uh, very often ride in that cart. They would ride down to the, mm -hmm. to the shore and then it would, they would walk back up while the cart was being pulled back. And then they would ride it down again. Well, on this day, July 10th, 1873, the brakes on the cart failed. And the cart literally flipped into the water and trapped three of the girls. So two of Pity's daughters, Eliza and Mary, and then the unnamed little girl, they all drowned. Oh. Yeah, so one of his kid, one of his daughters did survive. Um, but so we need to pity, pity. Oh, it's not too soon. This happened a really long time ago, but I'm also in a, I'm also in a bad mood, so laugh at my joke, dad coming. Oh, why? <laughs> I love how like girls like she's like she's like it's not too soon. <laughs> it's not. This was in 1873. I know. It's been over a hundred years. Uh, okay. It's all good. I just wasn't. I just wasn't ready for that. <laughs> um. Okay. So, the new lighthouse was officially completed on October 15th of 1874. It was erected 500 yards southwest of where the original building stood. Because obviously, like, it fell into the ocean because there's no shore there yes. anymore. Obviously. Obviously. Um, so they did move it back a little bit, but it's still in the same, like, grounds that it has always been on. Uh, the light, the new, the light in the new lighthouse 
could be seen up to 24 nautical miles away, and it still uses the same lens today. So the lens that they put in in 1874 is still the lens that is in use today. And they are extremely proud of that fact. So I thought I'd toss that in there for historical buffs. Update the lenses, my guy. Update the lenses. (laughs) Okay. So the new lighthouse stands at 165 feet tall. It's the eighth tallest lighthouse in the United States today. And do you want to guess how many stairs, how many steps it takes to get to the top? I'm going to go with... 502. Higher no. or lower? 147. Higher. 236. You're real close. Oh my. 230? Lower. 220. It's 220. Oh my god. <laughs> but okay, so it's it takes 219 steps to get to the observation deck, which is 140 feet up. So you have to go out onto the observation deck and into what they call the red room, which is where the lens is. The red room? Yeah, that's like the red part of the top of the, Look, the lighthouse. Is, I've heard red room, and it's definitely never been. It's 50... Why'd you bring that up? We're not even talking about Stephen King here. I was talking about Fifty Shades of Grey. Okay, anyway. <laughs> what the what? Is that what it's called? What was no. It called? I don't know. I've never seen Fifty Shades Fifty of Grey. But anyway. Alright, so we were definitely not in the same wavelength there. No! Well, now we know that we're on the <laughs> You're supposed to be the innocent look, one. Look, look and when you have a significant other who likes to watch the movies, you have to watch the movies. I had a significant other that liked to watch that stuff, and I still was like, I'm not watching it. My mom watched this movie, and she liked it, and I cannot get that uh, out of my that, head. Why do you got to tell me that? Like, I could have lived my entire life without uh, knowing mama. If I have to know, no, you no, have no, to know. Sorry. And now the whole world has to know. And if my mom listens to this, I'm so sorry. She actually might not have watched the movie. She might have read the oh, book. Oh, no. Either no. way, I okay, was like, see, well. she read the book, she's a different type of monster. Because that's, that's worse. Like the movie, fine. <laughs> she also read The Shining more than I have no idea once. what that is. And you're not ruining that for me. So I don't need to know. I don't. That's where Red Room uh, comes from. It's murder backwards. Oh. Huh. All right. Oh my gosh, that's a Stephen what King novel. <laughs> I love how this all came. Almost said Twilight. Yeah, I love how this all came from like Fifty Shades. Well, I thought Fifty Shades, and you thought completely different, and now it's just like, oh god, no. Anyway, go back, go back. Okay. Well. Yeah, so it's 219 steps to get to the observation deck, which is 140 feet up. And that's essentially where the lens for the lighthouse is. But it's in a room called the Red Room. And 
you don't ever, like, see anybody in any of the episodes or videos that I watched go into that room. So, like, I'm not 100% sure, and this is a place that I want to go. The more you talk so about I will it, find out the eventually. Like the Fifty Shades of Grey room. Shut I, up! Drop I can't it! Help it. Especially, like, well, no, you never really see if I go into that room. Well, like, I just, I, I from the way that, like, it looked in Ghost Hunters and the YouTube videos, it looks like you have to go out onto the observation deck. And then there's another door that goes into the room where the lens is. Whereas, like, some lighthouses, you the stairs go all the way up to the very, very top where the lens is. And there's just another door that leads out into the, onto the observation deck. But that doesn't seem to be how the St. Augustine Lighthouse is. But the way it's filmed on the inside, you can't tell and I've never been there, and I did try to look at pictures, but I just kept getting, like, really fake ghost pictures. And so I got mad and stopped <laughs> looking. So, there's that. Okay, so we're going to move into the ghosts now, because that's why everybody's here, and we have a lot to get through. So... When I first started my research, everything that I read said that the Keeper's House, which is now called the Maritime Museum or something like that. Uh, so it's now a museum, but it used to be the Keeper's Quarters. And another thing that's different about this lighthouse is that the Keeper's House, the Keeper's Quarters, is not connected to the lighthouse. So you have the tower, which is a single structure on its own, and then the keeper's house is detached in quite a ways away. But it's still within walking distance. But it's not like other lighthouses that you see where, like, the quarters are at the bottom, and then there's, like, stairs that just go all the way up to the lens. Or the lamp or whatever it was that they used. Um, so when I first started doing the research and all the earlier things that I watched – the Keeper's Quarters, which is a separate building, was probably the most active part of this site. Um, so the majority of the activity uh, that was recorded from... Whenever they automated the lighthouse, which I don't have a year for that, but, like, they were recording paranormal activity when the last actual keeper lived on site, which should have been early 19 or early 20th century. So like early 1900s, I think I could be wrong, but I think um, they've been recording activity in the keeper's house literally for like a hundred years, mm -hmm. if not more. Um, so supposedly one of the assistants of the keepers or there's conflicting evidence because some people say that like the keeper that fell off the lighthouse was the, oh no, wait, not him. Hold on. So there's another keeper later on who is said to be the only or the first keeper to die in the lighthouse. But I also read reports where it says that one of the keepers 
or an assistant of the keepers supposedly hung himself either in the basement or on the porch, like outside the keeper's house, just after the new lighthouse was built. So, like, right after it was completed, somebody supposedly hung themselves in the area, but the museum doesn't have, like, they talk about it like they do have documentation, but I was unable to find, like, actual death mm-hmm. records. But, like, the museum and the, all the websites have it listed as something that happened. So, like, I assume it's documented somewhere. But then again, as I was doing research, there was that other lighthouse keeper later on that was said to be the first one to die in the lighthouse. So, like, I don't know if that means, like, because he didn't die in the tower of the lighthouse. He died in the keeper's quarters. So it's all very confusing. But supposedly somebody committed suicide by hanging uh, either in the basement or off the porch of the keeper's house. Um, staff often report seeing a man in blue. Uh, he's like in a blue suit or a blue uniform, and he kind of like lurks in the shadows of the basement, which is fine. Like you stay over there, and I just won't go over there. It's fine. And there's like a specific corner that he sticks to. <laughs> um, in the BuzzFeed Unsolved, so like they go into the basement, and Shane's like, "Oh yeah, like he apparently sticks to this corner because it's like a cubby hole." And so apparently he appears in that little, like, alcove. And so Shane just, like, walks over there and stands in that, like, little corner thing. And it's just like, it's nice over here. I like it. And Ryan's just like, you're a psychopath. It's just, to me, I always get a good kick out of the fact you said BuzzFeed Unsolved. And I'm always used to BuzzFeed being, like, a comic, a comedy thing. So it's just... Oh, it is. They're yeah, hilarious. So it's just like, I'm just thinking about, like, funny go. I mean, funny event, like, funny, like, you know, solving mysteries. Like, it's all comical stuff, but it's just like, this is also the same BuzzFeed that put ETBU on their website. Yeah. So I'm just like, it's just, to me, it's just funny. They are very comical. I mean, they're hilarious. Like, I cannot watch them at work or listen to them at work because they... I laugh too much because they are so funny. And, like, their BuzzFeed Unsolved is, like, they're trying to prove whether or not ghosts exist. And, like, Shane is a non-believer and Ryan is a complete and utter believer in the paranormal. <clears throat> but he, like, freaks himself out. And so, I mean, the last time I talked about a BuzzFeed Unsolved episode, Ryan was, like, running around the old jail screaming. And Shane was just outside, like, I sure hope he's okay in there. So you look at I hope he's okay. You just don't, but you don't go like, eh. Yeah, like, he, nobody goes in to check on him. They just, like, assume he's fine. Um, yeah, so Shane apparently likes the uh, Shadow Man's corner in the basement, and Ryan went and stood in it and was like, yeah, I don't like it over here. So, because a lot of people apparently feel creeped out in the basement, but there's, like, no high emfs that anybody could log so i don't know like i said i haven't been there but i fully plan on going um now the shadow man in the basement people seem to think that this is uh a man named peter rasmussen who he served 
as the lighthouse keeper from 1901 to 1924, which is the longest stint of any lighthouse keeper of the lighthouse. But I don't think he died on the property. Like, I think he died after he stopped being the lighthouse keeper. And he just, like, loved his job so much that that's where his spirit chose to linger. Oh, God. For whatever reason. Yeah, I don't know. But Ryan from BuzzFeed Unsolved, they, he heard a whistle in the basement during the investigation. Like, it was a disembodied whistle. And I heard it, too. Like, it's very apparent. But then, you know, you have, like, non-believers that are like, it could have been anything. But Ryan's like, it was a whistle. There was tone. And I was just like, all right, bro. Like, calm down. You heard a whistle. Um, so then we have the spirits of Eliza, Mary, and the unnamed little girl. Uh, they are seen around the grounds of the lighthouse playing hide-and-go-seek. Uh, people hear the voices, or just, they hear voices of, like, little female children either crying out from within the tower or on the grounds, and so they just, they assume that it's these three little girls that did die on the property. Uh, but a lot of people that claim to see them or they report, like, childlike playful activity like tugging on clothes or like poking, uh, running up and down the stairs or uh, giggling, um, just just things that are attributed to to to, to mm -hmm. children. Um, there is a little girl in a red dress uh, who was spotted from outside the keeper's quarters, but she was spotted in an upstairs window. So it's. Just it's three stories because you have the basement, the main floor, and then the, the top floor, the second floor. And so she was seen in an upstairs window from outside, and she's wearing a red dress. But she doesn't look like she's any older than, like, 10, apparently. But what cracks me up is that every person that sees her from, like, outside the building in this window say that she flips her hair over her shoulder and then disappears. So she, like... And I'm over here like, either she's older than you think she is and she's flirting, or she is one sassy yeah, little 10-year-old. That's all sass. That's what I felt when you said it. I was like, that's, that's sass. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and then people, like I said, they report uh, children's footsteps. Oh, no, wait. No, okay. So this is crazy. So... They, staff members find footsteps, like footprints, in the dirt around the, like, keeper's quarters, like, around the back. Um, in the dirt. And, like, I guess they won't notice them, like, the day before. And they'll come in the next day and they'll, like, take the trash out the back of the museum and they'll see like little kid footprints in the dirt and they're like there was nobody here the day before with kids there was nobody here today with kids and like they have video cameras and stuff and they didn't see anybody like walking around like you know after it's closed so apparently these like little tiny footprints just show up in the dirt around the keeper's house 
Which, if it really is paranormal activity, like, that's just creepy. But, like, it may not be. Like, it could just be, like, little kids running around and they're not noticing. But, I mean, if they're saying that they're not seeing them on security footage, like... At that point, yeah, but that's it's weird. like, there's no way you just miss a kid. Yeah. So, that's, that, that's crazy. Um, if that's true, that's absolutely crazy. Which they did have pictures up on one of the websites that I looked at. And the tread didn't look like normal modern day tread of shoes that like I know, but like, or that I've seen, but like, I'm not an expert on children's shoes. They just like definitely looked small, but it also, that could do, that could be a fake picture. So take from that what you will. Uh, also, the locks in the upstairs rooms will often lock and unlock by themselves. Now, remember this because this is important later on. Okay. Um, so, it's specifically the locks in the upstairs floor of the keeper's quarters. Um, and then, in 1965, so before the, the museum was a museum... They used to, like, I guess you could rent the keeper's quarters. Like, you could stay there. Like, I don't know if it was kind of like an Airbnb situation where you just, like, rent it out. But in the 60s, like, you could rent the keeper's quarters. Because the lighthouse was automated, so they didn't need a keeper on site. Yeah. But there were people that would, like, pay to stay there. And so someone who was renting the keeper's house reported seeing a little girl in the doorway of the upstairs bedroom that he was sleeping in. And she stared at him for several seconds before fading away. Uh, he apparently did not get up and run away. He just went back to sleep. There. But then again, I feel like, you know, I'm usually that guy says, you know, that's me from sleep. But, like, you know, sometimes, you know, that might be one of things you like, you're waking up and you're not sure if you're quote unquote awake. So it's just like, you know what, maybe I'm still out of there and lay back. That's the one time I'm like, you know what, maybe, maybe I'll give him the exception or then the exception on that one. Like, that I understand. Yeah, maybe. But he remembered enough detail to, like, assume it was a paranormal experience. So, I don't know. I feel like if he thought it was a dream, he wouldn't have said anything about it. That's true. But whatever. Um, so in the keeper's house, there's also a parlor that is also very active and is supposedly one of the most active rooms in the house. People report hearing coughing, uh, that they attribute to another keeper who was named William Harn, uh, H-A-R-N. He was the first keeper to die in the lighthouse. Uh, he died of malaria and tuberculosis. So, like, they hear disembodied coughing, and they're like, oh, it must be this dude, because he died of tuberculosis while he was a light keeper, or a lighthouse keeper. I, I can think of um, a thousand other better ways to go out. Yeah. Like, this must suck. Um, so, Ryan and Shane from BuzzFeed Unsolved did record a disembodied voice that does sound like a cough or, like, some really weird grunt. And they were in the parlor. So, of course, Ryan was like, oh, it's Mr. Hard. And then Shane was just like, or somebody got kicked in the gut outside. Like, yeah. that's what makes the, that show comical because, like, they constantly argue about things that they find. 
or record. And it's hilarious. Um, okay. So then there were reports of Maria, who was Joseph Andro's wife. Uh, so he's the guy that fell off the top of the light, the original lighthouse. Uh, he did more than fall, apparently, um, according to that uh, obituary. Oh yeah, according to Ryan and Shane, they like he like ping ponged off of like yes. different structures or parts of the mm-hmm. the lighthouse. Um, so Maria is seen pacing the observation deck of the new structure, which is not in the location of the structure that she apparently kept. Um, but she's seen pacing the observation deck with her long hair billowing in the wind. So she's like in a white dress. She's standing on the observation deck, just kind of like walking around. Her long black hair is like billowing out very dramatically behind her. And then she just like fades out of view. Mm-hmm. And enough people have reported this that like they've concluded that it's Maria. Hmm. Somehow. Somehow, some way. Yeah, somehow. Um. Okay, so according to the former director of the Lighthouse Museum, so he is not a member of the Coast Guard, but he uh, was the director of the museum, and he also was, you know, something that the museum offers is, like, historical and ghost tours. So they are there, like, all day, and they lock up at night because the lighthouse is automated, so the Coast Guard doesn't need to be there all the time. Um, so according to him, there, so I told you that the, like, the door to the, the observation deck is padlocked. Because you go out that door, and then I think you go into another door it goes up a little further to like get to the lens that needs to be replaced um yeah that hasn't been replaced but like you still have to get up there to like the coast guards like they clean it and they maintain it um so they padlock it and the door has like a motion sensor on it like an alarm so it's padlocked from the inside but, like, if it opens, it triggers an alarm that's monitored by a third-party alarm company. And according to the former director, they go to lock up every night. So they have to, like, go up to the top, make sure both doors up top are padlocked. And then they have to lock the door to the tower and then, of course, lock up the museum. Well, they'll come in the next morning... And the door at the top of the lighthouse that leads out onto the observation deck will be wide open. The padlock will be unlocked. The door will be wide open. But the alarm never went off. Okay. Yeah. And the alarm company conducted many investigations into why that this kept happening. And they literally never, to this day, have never figured out why. And it still happens, apparently. And they've, like, changed the padlock on it. They've changed the doorknobs. It just, like, keeps being open when they come in some mornings. But, like, they also have a motion 
activated light inside the tower and motion detectors on the front door at the bottom of the lighthouse. So, like, if someone had gone in the lighthouse upstairs, yeah, like, we would have known about it. Huh. And they definitely wouldn't have been able to keep doing it because, like, security systems... (laughs) Um... Or at least the light that comes on, like, it's, it's, that's just, it's just weird to me because that, I mean, doors like being open when you come in in the morning is common, but like, this door is padlocked and has a motion sensor that triggers when it's opened. So like, to me, that's just bizarre. Um, okay. So within the tower, aside from that door, Apparitions are seen pretty often on specifically the third landing, which is interesting because, like, there's activity all up and down this lighthouse, but apparently, like, apparate, like, a specific apparition or an apparition is seen on the third landing. And I'm pretty sure there's, like, six landings. 219 steps. Um... So people see the apparition on the third landing and the staircase is a metal staircase inside the lighthouse. Um, And so people hear like footsteps on the staircase, but they're like looking up the staircase because it's a metal staircase. You you can see the light shining through the like grates and stuff. And there won't be anybody on the stairs above or below you like if you're not on the ground and you can hear footsteps either getting closer or further away from you because they're going up or down and nobody's there. Um, They also get, like, conversations, like, full-on, like, conversations between, like, different voices are really common to hear inside the lighthouse. And, yeah, the lighthouse echoes, but it's not one of those lighthouses where you have, like, different rooms. Like, it's literally a tube. It goes all the way up there's no room so there's no like brooms that branch off of the landings there's no doors except for at the very top and the very bottom like there's nowhere to go like it's literally just a tube like that's it because the keeper's house is not attached to this lighthouse so like there's just there's it's just insane and yeah it's a metal tube so like sounds carry but It's been tested because the St. Augustine Lighthouse is, like, one of the holy grails for paranormal investigators. It's so active. It's almost every single paranormal investigator that goes there has an experience. It's just so active. And so, and then you have people like the, like, ghost hunters, TAPS, where they go in and they debunk things. And they debunked a bunch of stuff. Like, one of the major claims was that... There's, like, a bucket on the third floor, on the third floor landing, that, like, people apparently would hear, like, pick up and drop really loud. And they have, like, fake oil in it where, like, it's simulated to reflect, like, how heavy the bucket would be with oil in it. And because the lighthouse keeper would have to carry that bucket from the bottom all the way up to the red room where the, uh where the lens is like before it was a lens when it was like an oil lamp essentially and people were like hearing that loud banging reverberating through the entire lighthouse 
and Jason and Grant go up, and they find out that a window on the side of the lighthouse, like, if it slams shut, because it's Florida, it's on the coast, it's windy. If it slams, it sounds exactly like that bucket Mm -hmm. being dropped. So they're like, we 100% debunked that. Like, there's no way that that's not what this is. Because it's windy, so if they have the, the window open and it slams shut... In a haunted lighthouse where there is documented paranormal activity, people are going to assume it's paranormal when it's actually not paranormal. And, I mean, they debunked a couple of other things, too, that I won't talk about because we're here for the ghosts. But because, like, they have investigated and recreated other sounds, they know how the sound travels within the lighthouse. And so it's very easy, even though it's echoing... Since there's no other rooms within the tower, it's just a tower, you can tell where voices are coming from. You can tell if they're coming from above or below you because there's not a lot of space for the voices to kind of like reverberate through. So they either just carry up or down, essentially. Um, okay, and then finally, not finally, but like... The last typed bullet point that I have, because the rest of my notes are handwritten after this. The last lightkeeper of the lighthouse, his name was James Pippin. Like, Pippin from Lord of the Rings. Look, you said Pippin, immediately went to basketball. Oh my god, two different types of people. Okay, moving on. sorry to let you... So, Mr... (laughs) <laughs> Mr. Pippin heard footsteps and voices in the keeper's house. Uh, lights would turn on and off, too. And basically, he refused to sleep in the keeper's house, so he actually slept in a little Coast Guard bungalow nearby. So he was the lighthouse keeper. He was the last lighthouse keeper before it was automated, and he refused to stay in the very nice keeper's quarters that was on site <clears throat> for him. He stayed in a shack because he was like, nah, fam. Not playing that game. Okay. Um, so some things that I found out that are that have been claims for a really long time but weren't brought up on BuzzFeed Unsolved or any of the Ghost Hunters episodes. These were things that I read online on other ghost hunting websites or blogs. Um, or on the St. Augustine Lighthouse website. Chairs are often moved or overturned in the museum when staff come in. Like, they'll have chairs for for sitting. Because they have, like, a ballroom in there, and they have offices and stuff upstairs. And then some of the rooms are kind of, like, recreated to look, you know, to be authentic. And, you know, because it's part of the tour. mainly chairs, but, like, furniture and stuff will be moved. And it's supposed to be in the same position every day, especially in those rooms that are, like, specifically set up to look like however the bedrooms uh, looked, you know, when the keepers lived there. They'll be overturned. They'll be moved. uh, Items in in the gift shop of the museum, so on the first floor, they'll go missing They'll be moved. Items on shelves will be completely, like, if they're hanging or if they're sitting on the shelf, they'll be turned around. 
Because, like, any person who's ever worked retail knows that when you close up any type of retail location at night that sells any kind of product that's loose on the shelves or hanging, you face it or zone it, depending on if it's clothing apparel or if it's, like, objects. You zone or you face at the end of every night. So that when you come in in the morning, you can do your opening stuff, which usually is like money and deposits and things like that from the previous night. You don't have to go around and face the entire store before you open. So if you close up at night and you have a small staff and so you have people that close the night before and they open that morning and you come in and your products are like all facing the wrong way on the shelf, you're going to notice. Like you're going to know that that's not how you left it. Because I used to work in a pet store. Yes, you did. And because our one of our groomers was convinced that our store was haunted. It was not, by the way. I never believed her. But, like, there was a guy that worked there who would close with me. And because I was the key holder on duty, I wasn't in charge of facing. So, like, we would, I would always divide the aisles up. But, like, that was just me being nice. I didn't have to do that. He was the one working the floor. I was working back office and, like, doing all the other stuff. He was supposed to be the one facing the store. But because I have control issues, I would always go through, before we locked up and left for the night, I would walk the store and make sure things were, you know, in proper order. Well, sometimes he would sneak behind me and move one or two things. And I can't tell you how many times that I had to close at 9.30 at night and be right back up at the store at 8 o'clock in the morning, 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning to open. And I would walk in and things would be turned the wrong way on the shelf. And that's the first thing that my eyes saw. I knew that that was not a paranormal thing. Like, I knew this person was doing it on purpose. I'm a neat freak and I'm a perfectionist. So he was doing it to be funny. And my manager would actually do that to me sometimes, too. So, as somebody who used to work retail, if I walked in to any place that I managed and something was moved and I know that it's part of my job at night to leave the store looking a specific way, I would notice. And if it's, like, a common occurrence and you have employees that are, like, or, like, you're the only one closing and you know that you didn't leave it like that, like, that's very significant And it still happens. This has been happening for decades. And so to me, that's just very significant. And like, it peeves me to no end because I hate that. And I don't hate it just because a ghost is doing it or a spirit is doing it. I hate that because when I come in in the morning, the store is supposed to look the way I left it. It's like, I don't need it looking any other way. Who's there? Yeah. Right? Like, I worked hard. If you're going to be here... You better make yourself useful and go fix it. That would be a convers- that would be the conversation I had with that ghost, but I don't think that's the conversations that the staff was having. But anyways, we're gonna move on. Um, also, apparently the gift shop sells music boxes, and these music boxes will just like turn on by themselves randomly. It's never the same one. They're constantly rotating in and out because it's a retail location. And so, like, if you have more than one product or, like, they're in constant rotation and several are turning on and off randomly, but, like, not on any specific pattern, that, to me, is fishy. Like, that's weird and not normal. 
Um, but that wasn't given to ghost hunters as a claim because they didn't investigate in the gift shop at all. Um, those were just things that I read about in my own research. So now I am going to tell you about things that BuzzFeed Unsolved and Ghost Hunters found during their investigations or things that happened to them. This is where the juicy bit comes in. And I have a link that I'm going to send you. Okay. And I couldn't find the clip on, like, I couldn't find just, like, a clip of it on YouTube. So I'm going to send you a link to the full episode. And I have a timestamp for you to basically forward to. That way you're not having to, like, look around for, because it's at the very end. Well, it's closer towards the end because it's in their reveal to the client. But it's the, it's a Ghost Hunters episode. Okay. So BuzzFeed and Solved, uh, I told you about the whistle. I told you about the cough in the parlor. Uh, Also, uh, if you've watched BuzzFeed and Solved, which I know you haven't, but, like, other people have. uh, Sorry, not sorry. (laughs) you don't have to apologize they do individual investigations so they basically go into a location by themselves because when i was telling you about the old jail investigation they did where like ryan was like running around screaming Mm -hmm. he was in there by himself he didn't have any staff with him he didn't have shane with him he went in there with a gopro and like whatever equipment he could carry and that was it he's a different breed that's no go for me fam (laughs) <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's a no-go for me, too. Uh, it Like, I'm not scared of a lot of things, but I definitely don't want to go into a big, empty building by myself. Yeah, you want to go with a GoPro, I'm going to be the no-pro. <laughs> like, I've been, oh I've, been, I, I've been holding on to that joke. Like, after you said it, and I was like, bro, that sounds either, uh... real, so either it's not a real genius or it sounds going to sound real stupid, but I was committed. <laughs> I'm going to work that into our title of this episode. Oh, my God. Hey, there we go. I'm happy now. I can die. Okay. I wrote it down so I don't forget. Okay. Good. So when Ryan, who is the pro paranormal investigator, uh, he goes in and he took a spirit box. And I don't know what version of the spirit box it is because when I've, whenever I've talked about, like, kindred spirits, they have, like, different versions that they use depending on, like, if they're doing the spirit box experiment, if they're doing the spirit box experiment, they basically use the Frank's box, which is the original spirit box. But they have newer versions, which have, like, different capabilities and different features. So I don't know what version they're using, because the Frank's box, to me, is the most reliable version of the spirit box. The newer versions, I don't feel like, are very real. When I say reliable, I mean, like, they can be manipulated a little bit easier because they're more like electronic where the Frank's box is like kind of retro where it picks up like radio frequencies. The only thing modern about it is you can plug in headphones. Like that's it. Like there's no LCD screen. There's no nothing. Like you literally turn it on and it does its thing. Whereas, like, the newer versions have, like, LCD screens and, like, you can, like, change settings and all this other kind of stuff. And I don't trust them. But nonetheless, Ryan goes in with the spirit box and he asks, uh, you know, is there anybody here? What's your name? And the name Eliza comes through very clear. But it was a male voice, so he was, like, very confused because Eliza is one of the daughters that died. Mm. And then... 
um, he, like, asked, uh, like, why are you here? How did you die? And after he asked, how did you die? It was, like, the spirit box said, uh, fell off of a chimney. And one, that's just hilariously, hilariously specific. But two, Ryan, like, stopped for a minute and was like, wait, I'm sorry, didn't he, like, fall onto a roof? Like, so, fell off of a chimney could, it, that means it could be the, the Joseph Andro or whatever his last name is that, you know, whatever. So, he was freaking out. So, then he, like, freaks himself out and he goes to leave and then the spirit box says, uh, why are you leaving? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it says, "Why are you leaving?" And he was like, "Did you, did you just ask me why? Why am I leaving? Because I'm scared as shit. That's why." He actually said the f word, but like, <laughs> it was so funny. And he came running out, and Shane always goes in before him. And Shane was like, "Bros, and they're having the best time. I was chill." And then Ryan's just like running up and down the stairs, like freaking himself out, and. So, I normally kind of watch their episodes because they have a lot more historical information than some of the other shows uh, or sources that are out there uh, when it comes to, like, investigations and, like, evidence and stuff. Um, They don't normally catch a lot of, like, really good reliable evidence because you have one that's, like, a non-believer and just won't ever believe anything because he doesn't believe in the paranormal. And then you have another one who's, like convinced that ghosts exists and you can't convince him otherwise and sometimes he doesn't like consider that there could be a real world like reason for something um but they're still hilarious to watch they have a lot of other buzzfeed shows on youtube that you can watch and they're really funny Hmm. um okay so now we're going to move into ghost hunters okay and so ghost hunters visited the St. Augustine Lighthouse uh, in 2006, 2007, and 2019. So, a long time ago, and then very recently. Yeah. Uh, okay, so some of the best evidence that Ghost Hunters has ever caught on video was caught at the St. Augustine Lighthouse. Hands down, the best evidence, or some of the best evidence that they have ever caught has been at the St. Augustine Lighthouse. Hmm. No joke. All right, so in 2006, uh, this is season two, episode 19, Dustin, Steve Gonzalez, so Dustin Perry, Steve Gonzalez, Brian, something. Uh-uh. Sorry, Brian. And then Jason and Grant. They didn't have any females with them. They didn't have any female sci-fi staff with them. It was just a boys' night out at the St. Augustine Lighthouse, okay? That's us, bro. Dustin, Steve, and Brian were in the basement of the Keeper's house, and they heard voices, like, just random. It wasn't like conversations, but they could definitely tell that there were words being said, mm-hmm. but they couldn't make them out. 
And while they're in the basement of the Keeper's Quarters, Jason and Grant are in the tower with the thermal camera. And so they set the thermal camera up at the bottom of the lighthouse next to their, like, uh, DVR camera. And both cameras are shooting up the lighthouse. So they're on the bottom floor and they're just shooting up the tower. So you can see the, like, staircases and stuff kind of, like, around the edges all the way up to the top. Um, so while Jason and Grant are kind of, you know, in the tower investigating, doing their thing, they hear voices. They start to hear footsteps going up and down the metal staircase. Um, but it's, the voices and the footsteps are coming from up above them. And they're like, what is going on? Like, nobody passed us. So they start to, like, go up the staircase thinking they can head it off. They get to the top. There's no one there. So they go back down to where they were and continue what they're doing. Um, They hear, you know, the voices that they had been hearing from above them were very specifically, like, a little girl talking to a woman and a woman talking to back to this little girl. And then they heard a conversation between a man and a different women's, a woman's voice. So, like... They could tell that they were, like, you can tell they're hearing conversations. Like, you can hear it in the episode. It's very specifically, like, chatter. But, like, it's different tones. And it's like there's two different conversations going on. In, at this, not at the exact same time, but, like, in the same time frame. So, that, that was just crazy by itself. Because you're not hearing it as an EVP later on. Like, you're hearing it through the production footage. Which just goes to show, like, how loud that was. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but then they, like, they've stopped and they've, they're listening. Because it's a metal staircase. So, like, as they're walking, they're, you know, making noise. So they have to stop and listen to these voices that they're hearing. And they're just, like, staring at each other like, oh, my God, dude, are you hearing this? Mm-hmm. And then, and they're peering because the sounds, the voices are coming from up above them. They've already been up there. They know nobody's up there. But they're still staring up there. And then they see movement on the staircase above them. And, or not above, like, the staircase, the landing above them. But they see movement towards the top of the tower. So maybe two flights of stairs above them. And very clearly, they're standing, like... In towards the edge. So the link that I'm about to send you after I finish talking about this episode, mm-hmm. there the footage is just it's shooting up the center of this the lighthouse. There the landings are on one side. So like all the landings are basically stacked on top of each other, and then the staircases just go around. They're on one landing. And from up above them, so, like, they're on the landing, like, which is on the right side of the video. Above them, in the middle of the, like, staircase, which is, or the middle of the footage that you see, like, the footage, like, the space, Mm -hmm. which is part of the stairs, they clearly... Because they saw movement, and so that's what drew their attention to the area... And they, like, go to chase it up the stairs, and they stop on a landing, and they 
clearly see this thing grab the railing and peer over the railing down at them. And then it like jerks backwards and then does it again. And yeah. And then like it sped up the rest of the staircase and Jason's like, Grant, you stay right here. You keep your eyes on that staircase. I'm going to go up and head it off or like catch it. Jake gets to the top of the staircase and nothing's there. They go up, and that's the first time they had gone, like, all the way up to the top to where that door is. And as soon as he got close to that door, a light pops on. It scares the mess out of him. It was hilarious. Um, Because they didn't know that that light was there. And they're seeing this thing move around on that top landing, but it didn't trigger the motion-activated light. That literally lights up the entire tower. Yeah. From, so, like... If, if, like, a person had been up there, it would have, a person, an animal, a, anything big enough to register as what they were seeing, it would have triggered that light. And it didn't. Because um, to get away from him, it would have had to go all the way up the staircase and out that door. But, like, the light didn't come on, the alarm didn't go off when the door opened, the padlock was still on it. They didn't go out onto the, uh the the balcony the entire episode um so immediately after that they're coming back down the staircase and they're just like reveling in what just happened they're like dude could you believe this like you saw that right like this was insane and immediately they hear like they're standing there on a landing they've jason's come back down grant is losing his mind he's so excited and they start to hear, like, a disembodied, like, you start to hear it before they do, but it says, help me. Mm-hmm. And it's a female voice, and, like, there's, like, a mumble beforehand that you can hear in the episode, but then it's very clear, help me. And Grant is so excited, and he's just going on and on about what he saw, and Jason's like, I'm sorry, what was that? Like, did you hear that? And Grant's like, no. Mm-hmm. But then it says it again. And Grant's like, all right, that was definitely something. Um, so after that, they're exhausted. And they're like, we're going to go, like, take a rest because we've done run up and down this lighthouse, like, three times. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So they send Brian and Dustin in. Um, Steve is scared of heights, so he didn't investigate the inside of the lighthouse this episode very much. Mm -hmm. Um, So Brian and Dustin go in, and they basically have the exact same experience. We're talking the same conversation that they heard from above them. They heard a help me. They had movement on the stairs above them. They went up and tried to chase it. Nobody was there. They get up towards the top and the light comes on. Nobody's there. There's nowhere for them to go. I mean, they had the exact same experience, except when they saw the hand grab the rail, Mm -hmm. it didn't peek over the railing. It came down the staircase. Like, so they saw a hand and, like, a shoulder and a head. Like, so, like, the upper 
torso of a person with no legs come down the staircase. So it was like half of an apparition. But like Grant very clearly was like, I saw a hand come out and grab the railing, which just freaks me out because you know how I am about hands. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't like that at all. And like, they both were like, we could see the fingers. Like, it's crazy. Um, so then they go back and they tell Jay and Grant they had the exact same thing. And Jay and Grant are like, Steve, you've got to go in. You've got to go up. Like, it's insane in there. Um, so he goes in and he's kind of disappointed because all he really heard were like footsteps on the staircase. But like the ghost, it was playing with them because like they would go up a, a set of stairs and then it would go up a set of stairs like or it would be below them. And they had been cha- they had just chased it to the top. So like it was definitely playing with them. So I think by the time Steve got in there, like the activity had started to like wind down. Yeah. But um also when Dustin and Brian were in there, after they saw the like hand or the movement up towards the top of this the uh the tower, they saw this like giant bright flash of light and Dustin was like if I hadn't have been there and you were telling me about it I would believe you because I've never seen anything like that in my life and Brian comes out of this lighthouse and is like I quote this is the Mona Lisa of anything paranormal I've ever experienced with my own eyes I can die a happy man that's end a, quote that's a big like, bold that's, statement but I mean that's how excited they were because they were like non-stop and they were having the same experiences they were backing up each other's experiences and that doesn't happen very often every team that goes into a location has an experience maybe but like different teams having the exact same experience mm-hmm. is just insane like that's just unheard of um so jay and grant they go back in with steve and again they're telling him about the movement on the stairs and so he kind of sees some movement on the stairs but like the only thing he could really like convince his brain was something paranormal were the footsteps on the uh the staircase okay so i'm gonna send you this link and i want you to navigate to the timestamp that i'm going to send you it's gonna be in the chat on zencaster Keep forgetting I, want... a, I keep forgetting that's a thing. Uh, you're going to navigate to 3842, but don't hit play when you get there, okay? Go ahead and get to that spot. 3842? 38 minutes, 42 seconds, but don't watch it yet. All right, well, let this thing load up first. You know, they'll be like, mm, going to take forever. I just realized your name is Nonchalant Anderson. Yes, I always do something based off what we talk about. Or something recently. My name is still Yorkie Bomb. Yeah, I mean, well, you figured out how to change it for like the first time, like last time. So you know, you're not, you're not, you're not in on the game yet. You're not used to doing it. Yeah, I forgot that I could do that. All right, so it's loading, but it's loading like the whole website. So this actually might take a second. Mm-hmm. Okay, so while that's loading, just remember, don't hit play. Because that's when they start showing the client the video footage that they got. So in this episode, they were able to document the help me that Jay and Grant (coughs) heard. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's not an EVP. It's a disembodied voice that they were able to play back for them. Um, But they have two 
videos to show the client. And uh, I'm going to tell you about them first, and then you're going to watch them. So both of the videos are basically 30, like... 42. Yes. Well, I moved it to there, but I'm waiting for it to load so it can say that it's there, because right now I'm still at seven seconds. Okay. Um, so both of the videos are... They're not technically shadows, because there's no light being cast upon them. It's literally just a black mass or like a colorless figure. Like it has a definite shape in one of them. And then in the other one, it's kind of just like a black mass that they saw in the video. Like both of these videos they saw with their own eyes and then they were able to also catch it on video, which hardly ever happens. Usually when Ghost Hunters captures video evidence, it's like they catch something on a camera that they weren't looking at at the time, or they didn't know they caught it until they reviewed the footage. So this is stuff like they were able to sync up the, the, the cameras with like other cameras that were running. So like the production footage or stationary cameras at the time in place, people in, you know, figure out where people were to make sure there was no contamination. And I mean, it's, crazy. And 3842, we're good. Okay. So the first video that they play is a uh, footage caught by Dustin and Brian when they had their experience after Jay and Grant. So this is so they show it to the client first because it's like the lesser of the impressive videos. Like it's like the least impressive of the two, but they're still both like phenomenal. Um so both videos are shooting up the the tower. Okay, so the first video is uh, it's either Dustin or Brian's mini DV. They're holding it. They're shooting up the tower, and you you see like you don't really know what you're looking at until it moves out of the way. So, but they're right back to back. So that's the first video, and then the second video is the stationary. DVR camera that's at the base of the lighthouse shooting all the way up. And that's the video I told you where Jay and Grant are on a landing on the right side of the video and a figure literally peeks out over the railing on one of the flights of stairs, looks at them, goes back, and then in a matter of seconds goes up two flights of stairs and leans back over the railing. So now you can hit play. All right, I'm about to hit play. I'm going to it. It's kind of, kind of, kind of dark. <laughs> yeah. So like you see the light passing through the stairs. Mm -hmm. And you don't know what you're looking at because like there's movement, but like you don't really understand what's happening until it literally flies off to the side. And they replay it a couple of times, but... Well, based off how you just like talking about these guys, now that I see them, it definitely did not look about like what I expected them to look like. <laughs> oh my goodness, I don't like that because <laughs> it's like there's nothing there, and then you see it like it barely pop up and look. But it's like a head. Yeah, it's not like a giant mass. Like it is very distinctively a head. And then it gets further away. Yeah, because it goes up two flights of stairs in a matter of seconds. That's not it, Chief. 
And like the second time it leans over the railway, like there's like a light that's there that wasn't there before. And it's like giving off its own light. And it's not a flashlight because you can't see the beam and it wasn't there before that thing popped out. And it like moves off to the side too. Like you can see it moving around up there. I mean, it's just, it is insane. This is how I go into an early retirement. <laughs> um, but they like synced up the videos. And so they know that Jay and Grant were on that railing with their cameraman to the side. But there's no way that any person can move that fast up a metal staircase and make no no sound. Nobody can move that fast up a metal staircase, period. But, like, there was no sound because they had wireless audio. And one of the problems they had with audio in this first investigation, because it was 2006, is that there's a lot of, like, noise contamination because you have all the vibrations and stuff of people going up and down those stairs. And then there's echoes. And, you know, so they really didn't get a lot of audio from that first investigation. Now, when they come back a year later, which is uh, season three, episode 20, episode 20, um, they are a little bit, they know what to expect when it comes to audio-wise, so they're more prepared. In their second investigation, oh, before I move into that, going back to the video of the figure leaning over, again, I just want to reiterate that, one, everybody was accounted for. Two, there's that motion-activated light. Like, it basically was at the very top railing where that door is. It didn't trigger the light. No light came on. <clears throat> except for that, like, one little bitty speck of light that was not there before. But, like, it didn't trigger the light. If you watch the full episode and, like, you see Jay trigger that light, it is stupid bright. So something, like, shot up the staircase, went up to that top landing, and didn't trigger the light. Yeah, so that was my only point, is it it just didn't trigger the light so you know it wasn't a person. Mm -hmm. So, in the second investigation, we don't have Dustin and Brian, but we do have Dave Tango and Chris Williams. So now we have a female on site. Mm -hmm. um, and putting Chris in the tower by herself did entice a lot more activity. She also does this, like, really funny thing where she's in the basement of the museum and, like, finds, like, a little, like drainage room and like crawls in it and then can't get out mm -hmm. so she had to like radio for help and then it took them like 20 minutes to get her out of there it was hilarious um so they talked to so this investigation is a special investigation because the client didn't call them back they literally asked to come back so at the end there's no reveal because the the evidence is just for themselves mm -hmm. but the People the, the the people at the museum, they do say that more people have seen the figure. It's sh they're showing up in like pictures and videos and like people are seeing it on tours where that figure is like peeking over the railing at other people mm -hmm. during tours and get staff. They also got to investigate a room in the museum that they didn't get to investigate the previous year, which is the ballroom. Mm -hmm. uh, and they caught quite a bit of evidence in the ballroom. So, this investigation was pretty much the same. They sent teams into the basement. They sent teams into the ballroom. Um, so, I'm just going to tell you what they were able to catch. Because they do the same thing. They have the same process. 
Um, and they're basically trying to recreate a lot of stuff from the original investigation mm -hmm. um, to see if, like, they can get it to repeat or if they can get answers or, like, try to be more specific with their EVP questions, that kind of stuff. So, in the ballroom, they have an EVP of a child's laugh, and so an EVP is something that they did not hear at the time, so Chris caught that upon review. Um, they got three different EVPs in the basement. They got a really, like, robotic kind of childlike grunt, which I'm not sure is an actual EVP, but usually Jay and Grant don't present anything um, or put anything on air that they don't actually believe is paranormal. But the two craziest EVPs that they got in the basement was a male voice that saying, we don't need you. And then a female voice later on in the night that says, we don't need you here or we don't need your help, which everybody thought was kind of weird because the previous year they had gotten an EVP that said, help me. And so now they're like, no, we don't need you anymore. Like, you can go. And so they're kind of like, mm, that's weird and didn't answer our questions. Now we're just more confused. Right. Um, but when Chris was in the tower by herself, she got a direct question or direct response to a question that she asked. And it was a basic question. Like, is there anybody here with us? And you hear a yes on the recording. Um, so this just kind of, like, answers the question of, for them, like, are some of the spirits here? Which, with it peeking over the railing like it did and whatever was in the tower playing with them and always being, like, below them or above them, they kind of had a feeling that it was intelligent. But now it directly responded to things that were being asked mm -hmm. or to, to action or to what was happening. So they're, they're, they're certain that one, this place is haunted, but two, it seems to be an intelligent haunt because it's very interactive with people that are there. Um, but then they got more video evidence. And unfortunately I could not find this episode to send you a link um, so I will have to send you, like, a Snapchat of it mm -hmm. from Discovery Plus because I couldn't find a link to send you. But they actually, because they used the thermal camera in the first investigation, but not a whole lot. Like, they didn't catch anything with it. This time, the only video evidence that they got was with the thermal. So the first video that they show is... They're in the basement of the museum, and the basement is just all brick. There's no reflective surfaces. There's nothing for heat to reflect off of. Nothing. Like, it's just a standard brick basement. It's not... It's kind of dark and damp, but, like, it's not damp enough to where, like, heat reflects off of the water that's on the walls. It's actually pretty dry because, like, Chris was coughing when she was in that little room thingy that she found. But they caught the form of a head and shoulders, and it was very angular. They're looking at it head on with the camera straight up and down, but the, like, form was angled to the side at a V almost. And it was, like, in the middle of a space. Like, it wasn't really against a wall or anything. Which was also puzzling to them because there was nothing for it to reflect off of because it was in the middle of that space. But also when Jay went to go recreate it, it was over a foot shorter than him. Like he had to crouch 
to get to the same like height and it was closer to the camera than they thought it was. Mm-hmm. Like it was just, it was really crazy. And he was like, it was very short. So that was alarming and very impressive. But then they just got some really odd footage. So they also had the thermal again pointing up the tower. And they again had been on one of the landings with, uh, so Jay, Grant, and Chris had been on one of the landings to the right side of the foot of the, the camera view. And they were looking up the tower because they had noticed movement above them. They're telling Chris to shoot up the tower with her mini handheld DV. And the thermal camera gets this, like, orb of energy moving across the gap. So literally moving from, like, the staircase on one side across the opening in the middle to a landing. But it's a thermal imaging camera. Thermal imaging cameras don't pick up bugs. They don't pick up dust. And this orb was ginormous. It was just like a big blob. But it happened at the same exact time that they were seeing movement on the stairs. But Grant's like, that's so weird because, like, I didn't see it move across. I saw it go up the stairs. Mm-hmm. So, like, the way it translated or the way the thermal made sense of it, like, it was just really bizarre. But they've never caught footage like that on the thermal before or after that. Because thermals just pick up heat signatures. And so the theory is, is that energy puts off heat. So, like, it would pick up any pockets of energy, which supposedly are what spirits or ghosts are made out of, or what they appear as. But it moves, like, across the space, like, where there's no floor. And so... That just kind of, again, brought up a lot more questions for them. And they were like, we have no idea how to explain this. This was very weird. Um, but I also want to point out that in this investigation, because they had experience, they had motion detectors all over that tower. Like, they brought their own motion detectors to put on landings at the top, at the bottom, and they never went off. Like, it would go off when, like, they would pass them, but, like, if nobody was moving and they were seeing movement in the vicinity of a motion detector, it was not being picked up. So, again, that's how you know it's not a person or an animal because, like, the movement that they're seeing is obviously bigger than, um, sorry, my dog is doing something weird. Um, it's bigger than a bug. It, it, it's big enough to where, like, it's grabbing their attention with their naked eyes, but it's not triggering anything that's motion activated, mm-hmm. which is just bizarre to me and, like, shouldn't happen if there's, like, a solid mass of any kind that's moving around. And, yes, that just, that, that it's fascinating to me, but also, like, kind of terrifying. Um, so the last little bit I'm going to talk about is the 2019 investigation. And the reason why I'm going to bring this up is because, again, they were, well, they were called back. So, like, the new staff or the current staff uh, reached out to Ghost Hunters, which at the time was being run by Grant with an entirely new team. Um, because there were, there, there was different activity and it was more frequent 
Like it wasn't getting any, it wasn't getting aggressive. It was just more than normal. And so they wanted to bring taps back in to kind of like see what they could catch. Um, so this time the investigation was kind of uh, centered around the grounds, but also the staff said that a lot of the activity happens in the keeper's house. But now, as of 2019, the tower is the most active active part. So mm-hmm. now there's less activity in the keeper's quarters and more activity either on the grounds, like in the woods surrounding the grounds, or in the tower itself. But also something new that's happening is your least favorite thing. People are getting locked inside the tower now. <laughs> what so so the door at the bottom of the tower it has like a sliding bolt on the outside of the door because they padlock them mm-hmm. like it's not like a deadbolt but it it's a sliding bolt and they'll go in at the end of the every night to you know like check everything and like padlock the upper doors and you know, turn lights out or whatnot. And they usually have two to three people to close. And so this one staff member that called the, that called taps back in was like, I've been locked in this tower like four times and it's not fun, but like it only just started happening. And taps actually called in like a, a locksmith who said it could be the actual door handle, But that staff member was like, I have to crawl out of a window and open the door for my other coworkers. And I have to slide the bolt. Like, I have to slide the bolt out of the way. There is no way that this bolt should slide itself. So, that's new. Um, But a lot of people that are there for tours are catching like misty figures in the woods surrounding the keeper's house and the lighthouse. Um, they're hearing giggling, um, and like just voices and stuff that are, cause there's like walking trails around the lighthouse and people are like, now paranormal activity is kind of like spreading to the woods, but also there was like a bunch of shipwrecks. (laughs) So, like, to me, and there's a lot of history. I mean, like, people have been in the area since literally 1513. So, like, not surprising. They mostly investigate the woods and then the tower. They don't, you don't see them go into the keeper's quarters at all. Or the museum at all. Um, so, two, one of the teams was made up of a guy. His name is Mustafa. Mm-mm. And I always want to call him um, Mufasa, but it's Mustafa and Kristen. And Kristen's actually really cool. She's like a psychiatrist or like a psychologist. Um, And so she has like a really neat take on things and she can identify like when people are like putting faces in things because there's like that thing that your eyes do where it tries to like make humanoid uh, like features out of inanimate objects. Um... And she's really good at helping people cope with, like, what they think is paranormal activity or if it really is paranormal activity, like, helping them cope with it. And so she's really cool. I like her uh, a lot. 
But so Mustafa and Kristen put REM pods and REM pods are just like electromagnetic field detectors, Mm -hmm. but they're round and they have an antenna. And so if anything walks, if anything walks by it, people, animals, spirits, if you walk by it or touch that antenna, they'll go off. So they light up and they make noise. Um, so they put them all up and down the tower, kind of like TAPS did in twenty in 2007 with their motion-activated, like their motion sensors. So they have them kind of like going all up and down. And again, like whatever entity was in the tower was like making them go off at the top. So then they would like go up to the top and then the ones at the bottom would go off. <laughs> so it had them running up and down the tower. Um, Grant and in my notes I wrote some other dude but his name is Daryl but I guess when I wrote this part of my notes today I could remember his name but his name is (laughs) Daryl his name is Daryl so Grant and Daryl they were at the top of the lighthouse like where the lens is Uh, so in the red room uh, they heard this, like, really loud bang, and they, like, go on this, like, hour-long journey of trying to find the bang, because it didn't sound like the bucket, it didn't sound like the window that he, because Grant already knew that that stuff was a thing, because he was the one who debunked it when they first went, yeah. but, like, it didn't, it didn't sound like that, it, it was, they were in a different part of the tower, because they were in the, like, room with the lens, they literally found this closet and took everything out of this closet thinking that they were going to find something that made that noise and they couldn't they couldn't find that noise like it kind of sounded like someone like banging on the door from outside of the observation deck but Mm -hmm. there shouldn't have been anybody out there so they just were kind of like oh yeah we don't know how to explain that so we're just gonna leave okay bye Mm -hmm. um and then another team which was made up of uh, a guy named Brandon and another Brian so not the Brian from Ghost Hunters Classic but it's a different Brian um they were told to go into the woods and like investigate in the woods and they were being kind of like chased by something or like they were following something around in the woods and it sounded big but they have a thermal imaging camera and they couldn't find anything. They didn't see any animals. They didn't see any people except for the staff members that were behind them or each other. So there's definitely things moving around in the woods, but they're not showing up on the thermal camera, which to me is really creepy because if something's moving, I want to know. I want to see it so I can run away. Mm-hmm. Um, so that they actually really did get scared. Like they were pretty freaked out about it. Makes sense. Yeah, um, they were pretty freaked out about that. And then um, they also were hearing voices and stuff out in the woods, but it didn't translate through the audio very well. But you could see how alarmed that they were because they weren't expecting to hear, like, conversations. But it didn't sound like little kids to them. So, like, they were just freaked out. And they were like, this is crazy. And there was, like, this one part where Brandon told Brian to go find the voices. And Brian was like, okay, well, if I don't come back, are you going to come in after me? And the staff, like, their camera people were like, no. I mean, that's a smart decision. <laughs> they if were you... like, we're not going to go in after you. Yeah, I mean, like, if you didn't come back, something happened to you. So why would I go in? Right? They were like, mm, no thanks, fam. 
Exactly. So, all in all, that episode was kind of disappointing because it was one of those episodes where, like, they had two investigations in one episode. So, like, the part where they were at St. Augustine was actually pretty short. But I wanted to mention it because, again, ghosts don't work 24-7 or on any type of schedule we think that they should be on. But Grant still enjoyed his time back at St. Augustine. He still think he, they still caught some sort of evidence for themselves that, you know, further proved that there was paranormal activity there. They were able to put, you know, this, the current staff there at ease and just kind of be like, well, you've got hundreds of years of history here. So, like, everything's going to be fine. Um, but, like, thanks for letting us come back because this place is awesome. Um, and I just really like Kristen. She's, she's sweet, and I love Grant, and there was that whole funny bit about the staff were like, yo, we're not going to come find you if you go missing, so be careful. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so I, I, I could go on and on. There's actually other stuff that was cut from the episodes that they have in behind-the-scenes episodes that I could have added in. Um, there were a lot of other paranormal stories and on like blogs and stuff that people submitted. There were ghost stories and personal accounts from the staff that are on like the St. Augustine Lighthouse websites and historical sites. Um, but I decided just to go with what I could see and hear, um, on episodes that were by team members that I trust. That is the St. Augustine Lighthouse, and that is a place that I want to take you this summer. Mm-hmm. Well, You're not going to go inside, are you? Uh, look, look, <laughs> look, look. The issue is, you know what? I'll be a little lax, but I might, like, okay, because at some point, you know, with all the traveling, I'll have to go in at least some of these places. Some, it might be like, I'll just look, and I'm like, no. Nah. That one, it might be like, I'll look over, um, that I might look over and be like, you know what? I'll tough it out for for five seconds. But then if you see something, you're out. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I can't believe you let me do this. Hmm. Get back in the car. I'm like, hey, hey. Never so what you're again. saying is I should not book an overnight tour. First of all, overnight just sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be like all night. It would just be a tour at night. You only live once, and we're vlogging, so I, I'll, I'll tough it out for the one time. I, for the I'm, one time. I, okay, I'm, I'm everybody doing... heard that. I'm keeping that in the episode, and everybody heard that. I'm doing it for the fans. You're doing it for the gram. Yep. Oh, my God, I haven't done this. I that song. But, yeah, I'm doing it for the gram. I think I heard it on a television show. Oh, my God. That I watched recently, which is why it's, like, on my mind. Oh, but yeah, no, that is it. That's that is your one. Okay. And if I like, guys, if she drops a new episode, like, and all of a sudden you just don't hear my voice, just know that was the one time I should have said no again. No, my obituary's like, his body ping-ponged around, and I'm like, oh, wow. But yeah, that's the San Augustine Lighthouse. Thank you for listening to episode 17, maybe? Look, we, 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 it's okay. We've just... Thank you for listening to the most current episode of A Fearful Earful. We will see you in two weeks. Because we have no idea what episode number it is. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. You've stuck with us this long. At this point, you should, you should expect this. Like, if you, if you're disappointed, it's your own fault. 
you're they're they're all oddballs now. Like they've been initiated into the group. It's just it's just how it is. They're here for the scary stories and technicalities don't matter. Exactly. Especially if you heard the one about the whole hotel and the man jumping off. Anyway, you know, go back and listen to that one. But okay. Wait, we, I've done like three hotels. Alright. The one where I well, no, I specified the guy jumped off the uh he jumped off the second well we just know it wasn't the first floor. Oh, is that the Jefferson Hotel where like he tried to commit suicide but didn't? No, no, no. When oh boy, maybe like an, it was like an inn. You know what? Um, when the when the wife and the the husband were like kidnapping and like robbing and murdering people, and he jumped out and got on his horse and rode into town. It was in oh, Charleston. he jumped out of the window. That's the old jail for okay. in Charleston. Well, that doesn't make sense. So he jumped out the window in the jail? No, because remember, he was staying outside of the town. Well, no, but that's the episode of the old jail. Yeah. But he was yeah. staying in the mile or the eight mile in or whatever. And they like tried to kill him. And he said, nah, fam, and jumped out the window and got his horse and exactly. then went and told the authorities. Like a real OG. Oh, yeah. And that's the one where I thought you made up all, like, all, all those names. All those names. Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised you didn't say anything about Mustafa. Well, see, that's a normal name. How is that a normal name? Well, Mustafa sounds like Mufasa, like you said. So, it, it, to my in my mind, it was acceptable. But when you hit me with that Lavinia, and I was like, all right, now quit the cap. Uh, and then oh my it- gosh, I was listening to a true crime podcast, and I came across another Lavinia. Look, we just making up names. But it wasn't Lavinia Fisher. And I was like, they named her that on purpose. Definitely. And then, like, it made no sense because then there was, like, like there was, like, two Johns. And then John snitched on other John. And then I'm just like, and then his name is Peoples. And I'm just like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. It didn't need to be like that. Okay. Well, we are 10 minutes away from midnight. And we both have to go to work in the morning. So Don't I think. Remind me. I'm sorry. Look, it's okay. I just gotta go to a track meet. I really don't gotta. I only gotta like be in class for one class, so it does. It's okay. Yeah, like you're gonna have an easier day than me. It ain't an easier day because I'm in the one thing you don't like, and that's the sun. Well, I'm outside. Well, no. Uh, I would rather be outside than go back to work tomorrow. Out, but see, the thing is, I'm still at work. (laughs) But you're not at school. But I start off at school. Whatever. I'd rather be at a track meet. We can switch tomorrow. It's fine. No one will notice. I don't know. I think they would notice if a shorter... <laughs> Barely shorter. <laughs> Barely shorter. You've got to drop that. <laughs> like, let, make like Elsa and let it go. What? That you're shorter? Never. Oh my god. Okay, we're signing off. Goodbye. Goodbye. That's the one thing I'll be passionate about is you being shorter than Oh my god, no. (laughs) Alright, I'll catch y'all later. You can find us on Twitter at A-Earful, capital A-E. We are not on Instagram as of yet, but you can find Jordan on Instagram and Twitter at perfectly underscore wild with an E, and me, DQ, on Twitter at D-A-Q-U-I-N-T-O-N, capital A, N-D-E-R-S, so it's the Quentin Anders, and DQ04 on Instagram. Our Facebook is a fearful earful, all one word, 
and you can email us your creepy stories or topic suggestions at a fearful earful pod at gmail.com if you like what you hear the best way to support the show is to leave us a review on itunes share with everyone you know and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app we're available on anchor spotify stitcher apple Podcasts, and google Podcasts. a fearful earful was created by me jordan anderson with co-host dq anderson all a fearful earful art was created by Gerilyn Anderson, my sister, and music is by One Wave, licensed through Premium Beat.